I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. Hey friends, it's Sarah, host of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. And let me wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Now, whether you celebrate Valentine's Day or not, I do hope that today you feel loved, appreciated, and valued because you are, and you absolutely deserve to feel all that. And I also hope that your day is possibly also filled with chocolates, flowers, and maybe some Starbucks gift cards from your students. Now, today on the podcast, we have a special guest. I got to interview Andrea Burns, who is one of my Instagram friends. She's at Bookish Burns on Instagram, and she is also an expert on picture books and all things related to teaching SEL, that is social emotional learning. Now, Andrea is a current fourth grade classroom teacher, and she is really passionate about utilizing her literacy block to intentionally teach SEL to her students. And I feel like SEL has always been important, but I really think that since the pandemic, our society has become so much more aware of just how important mental and emotional health is. So if you are feeling like you need to spend maybe a little bit more time and attention on SEL in your classroom, today's podcast episode is for you. Andrea has a ton of practical and easy-to-implement ideas that will help you bring a little more focus to SEL during your literacy block, which means you don't need to find a ton of extra time in your day to focus on this incredibly important topic. I really hope you enjoy today's interview, so let's jump right to the show. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I am good. And I am so excited to have you on as one of my guests today. So thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. And before we kind of jump into our content today, do you want to go ahead and give just like a brief introduction to my audience, letting them know who you are, kind of what you do, and then we'll get into today's topic. Sure. Sounds good. So I am Andrea Burns and I am Bookish Burns on Instagram. 
I give book recommendations to educators, counselors, moms, dads, whoever wants to read books to their children at home. I love giving recommendations, especially SEL recommendations to them. I'm actually a classroom teacher. I teach fourth grade in Kansas City. And this is my eighth year teaching, which is crazy because I feel like I'm not that old, but I am getting 30 years old, which is crazy. And I, like I said, live in Kansas City. The Chiefs lost last night, which was a huge bummer. But I live here with my husband and my adorable Labradoodle Bogey. And I just wrote a children's book, which is very exciting. It's coming out this year, which is SEL related as well. So just a little bit about me. Okay. So I did not know that you wrote a children's book. So I'm like, wait a minute, we might need to like change the whole like topic of this podcast. Seriously? Well, yeah, I'm going to want to know more about this children's book which is amazing that like you're about to be a published author, but Andrea kind of gave a little bit of preview into what we're going to be talking about today. And that is all about SEL, social emotional learning, and specifically how we can incorporate that into our literacy block. And Andrea, I discovered her on Instagram and immediately fell in love with her content. Like she said, she gives really great book recommendations. And I was like, I have to have her on my podcast because I know, you know, my audience loves using picture books. They love being really intentional about setting up their literacy block to get the most out of their instruction. And so before we really dive deep into SEL, how did, how did you kind of become like an SEL expert? How did this, you know, in your eight years of teaching, where did this sort of like appear in your teaching journey? Well, I would say it even started before my teaching journey. I grew up in a very loving household, but I happened to have some mental health areas that my family and I were working on together. So I kind of grew up in that realm. And I felt like it was so important. And I wish I would have had the resources and the books that they have today back when I was a younger child to kind of help me navigate through some of those issues and things. So it actually started back then. And then I've always loved education. I've always loved my teachers. And so naturally I wanted to become one. And so I'm actually in a Title I school district. So it's definitely different from what I grew up with, but it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my entire life. It gives me purpose. It gives me hope every single day to feel like I am the consistency in some of these kids' lives. I have seen and heard multiple different types of emotional issues that these children deal with. And that is where my passion really came from, is feeling like a mother to some of these kids and kind of helping them navigate through their emotions and their feelings. And not only do I feel passionate about it, but my school district does too. So that's very helpful because I know not every school district kind of backs SEL. And so I'm very fortunate to have that. That's awesome. And I, I mean, I love hearing just how it's like your passion for SEL even came out of like your childhood and like things that you experienced. And I just, you know, it's like one of those things where I feel like since like the pandemic specifically, I feel like mental health and like emotional health and awareness has become like such a, I don't want to say like a hot topic. Like I feel like it's sort of always been a hot topic, but I feel like it has become a priority for so many more individuals. And then like in education as well, which I love because it's like, okay, at the end of the day, having students who know how to like manage their emotions and, you know, interact and like, you know, be aware of their behavior and all of that stuff is so much more important than even like the academic side of things. So I think that's really cool. So I know you said that like, this is something that you have always been like interested in. Have you noticed like a difference, you know, and I guess if you've always sort of like taught with SEL, but like, have you noticed a difference with your students and their behavior when you give SEL a priority within your instructional day? Oh, absolutely. Um, The craziest thing is I do a mindful minute every single day with my kiddos. And so it's kind of just, you know, a reset moment to sit back and relax. Even before we do our read aloud or interactive read alouds, we 
kind of just take a moment and we're really mindful of, okay, how are we going to start our day? And now kids look forward to it. I mean, if we, if I forget one day, I mean, they're all over the place, like, wait, we forgot to do it. So it's like, I see those kids intentionally, you know, laying down and breathing and really thinking through things and how they're going to start their day, which it's a really good reset for some kids who maybe came off the bus in a horrible mood or had a horrible morning. It just kind of helps them kind of think through how their day is going to be. So not only do we do that, but also I notice it just throughout the day, kids' attitudes and behaviors when there's an openness to talking about our emotions and regulating them, I notice that, you know, they want to be at school and they really want to learn. And it really does help the academic side of it as well. I know some people think, oh, well, we're not, you know, directly tying everything to a standard, but in a sense, this is helping their academics. So I've noticed even their academic performance has been enhanced as well through this. And kids really look forward to especially IRAs every single day, which I'll explain in more in depth later. But not only do they you know, relate directly back to the standard, but we can also sprinkle in some SEL too. I love it. And I love the idea of like that mindful minute. And we did something similar with my students, but like a minute of just whether it's like slow breathing or just like, you know, being in the moment, that is something all teachers can find one minute (laughs) during their day to just bring some like awareness. And I think it's so great whenever like students basically like prompt you like, Hey, (laughs) we forgot about our mindful minute today. So love that suggestion. So All right, let's jump into like the nitty gritty here. So I know that like SEL is really important to you and so is your literacy instruction. So how do you like merge the two to bring them into kind of like this cohesive program? So like I said, I do a lot of standards-based lesson plans. So I kind of backwards plan. I look at what my standard is going to be for the week. So let's say, for example, we're working on point of view. Not only are we working on characters, different points of view, but it's relating to their point of view. And so you can really pull SEL into that, you know, building empathy for someone and talking about a situation you might have been in if you were them, you know, and we also include opinion pieces. You can include writing into it too. How would you feel if, you know, you were in this person's shoes? So like I said, backwards planning and a lot of the standards really make it easy to incorporate SEL into because there are so many books out there. And not just chapter books, but I use picture books every single day to incorporate those standard-based IRA lessons with SEL. So not only with point of view, but I've done it with biography. I actually just read one about Serena and Venus Williams and their life and how they grew up. And we built a whole timeline, but they had a rough childhood and you know there was death in their family. And so we could totally bring SEL into that too as well. I love it. And I love hearing that you use picture books in fourth grade. I'm like such a fan of picture books in upper elementary. So one of the things, you know, it's like, if there is, I always try to think about, okay, if there's a teacher in my audience, who's like, I've never even considered like bringing SEL in, how do they go about thinking through a read aloud? And how do you structure your read aloud to where it hits both the standards and SEL? Is it like a single read, two reads, like the questions are intermixed? Like, what does that sort of look like? Well, one thing I start to think about, okay, is this book, does it relate to self-awareness, self-management, decision-making, social awareness, or relationship skills? So I kind of think about those five things when I go into building my lesson. So I kind of relate it to one of those categories. And then I look for a book, like I said, if we're talking biography, that can kind of intermingle the two of them. So kind of maybe sticking to one thing that you're working on throughout the whole entire week. So if I notice my students are not making good decisions or if they're being persuaded, I'm going to work on decision-making that week. And then I'm going to find a story that can relate to that where maybe a character had to make a huge decision or failed to make a good decision. So 
and then kind of relate it back to whatever standard we're working on. I like that. It kind of sounds like the way we plan like our academics. It's like, oh, my students are struggling with like identifying theme. Let's work on that. It's like, oh, my students are struggling with decision-making. Let's focus on that. Which kind of makes me think about as you're like saying all of those categories, how do you go about like figuring out which SEL skills your students need or you should focus on in general? I mean, especially if I don't know, like if your school has a curriculum or program, if teachers are like, okay, I want to do SEL, but I've got no starting point. Like, how do you even identify what do I need to focus on to help my students sort of grow in this area? Well, like I said, my district, I'm very fortunate. We actually have a curriculum, which is second step is what we use. And so I kind of base it off of whatever character trait we're working on for the week. But I also think every student and every class is different. So I kind of say, okay, what does my class need to work on this week? Because we all know sometimes our classes, you know, we need to work on sharing this week or there's a lot of drama. It's kind of definitely based on what's going on throughout the week, plus whatever curriculum we're using. And there are so many curriculums you can use out there. And so many things on teachers page teachers. There are so many resources for this right now. But I also think just listening to your heart and listening to what your students need and seeing what your students need is most important and kind of basing it off of that. Okay. Can you walk us through like some of your favorite activities that you do during your literacy block that also hit on these SEL skills? Absolutely. So one of my favorite things is character traits. So kind of like we talked about going through and kind of working through, okay, how is the character feeling in the situation? And then tying it to how you might feel in the situation. And I really have the kids work through and journal kind of how they would feel and how they can relate back to the character. And I have kids usually do a lot of partner work. And I've noticed lately too, that kids kind of come together during, I do a lot of dear time. So drop everything and read. And I noticed kids are kind of, partnering up together and finding books about things that they're both going through. So I've noticed this with graphic novels or even picture books they're checking out at our library. I can kind of tell it's like kind of what they're both going through at the time. It brings them together, which is really special for me to see. So that's one thing. And then, like I said, my IRAs, my interactive read alouds, I do this every single day and I make it a priority and really having those discussion questions and prompts really helps kind of pausing throughout the story, talking about different SEL topics within the IRA. And then I always talk about being a class family. And so the kids love kind of doing activities with that. We do dances together. We stretch together. We do yoga together. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do to become a classroom community and also do it with literacy too. Uh, Your classroom sounds like a lot of fun. I'm like, (laughs) I want to be in that classroom. (laughs) No, I mean, I do a lot of singing, dancing, rapping. I mean, we're all about movement and just really embracing one another. And I mean, they know I'm crazy. So I'll be on the floor with them doing stretches, yoga. Yeah, it's so much fun. Okay. How do you find time to do all of these things? I feel like, and when I was in the classroom, I mean, I remember feeling like crunched for time. It's like, oh, we don't get to do science today because I'm out of time. So like, how do you just like, you know, prioritize, make time for all of these fun things or yeah. What does your sort of like time blocking look like? Like I said, it's on a day-to-day basis because some days I feel like SEL is more important than academics. I know not everyone is a fan of that, but I truly believe in that. And I think that sometimes you just need to pause and bring out a story or let's say, for example, someone's pet dies and they don't know how to handle grief. Then I will bring out a story and we'll have a class meeting and kind of talk about it. Class meetings are huge for me, especially morning meetings. That's usually when I do a lot of it along with my literacy block. Because when can you fit in time during math and social studies and science? There's Like you said, my head, I feel like I'm a chicken with my head cut off every single day. 
So just finding those like quiet moments, or even if you have five or 10 minutes in between transition times, I mean, try and fit it in or even at dismissal time too. Anytime that that's unstructured time, make it structured and make it collaborative and make it kind of part of your classroom community. I love those ideas. I know you said that like picture books are like a really important way that you bring in SEL topics. How do you go about like finding and discovering Again, you're saying if, if a student has like a pet that died, I'm going to find a book about grief. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know any books that deal with grief. I mean, I'm sure if I like spent some time, I could like find one. But how do you build your knowledge of picture books? And I guess if you have any suggestions for teachers, especially maybe like first year teachers who are like, I haven't even read enough picture books to have like this base of knowledge to know like how picture books connect to the standards and these SEL topics. Well, this is my jam, so I could talk about it for hours, but you should see my library in my office right now. I have over like 300, 400 books. <laughs> it's a good problem. <laughs> and my budget for books is growing each day. But honestly, it's connecting with other educators on Instagram. I know Instagram can sometimes be a scary space. And I know sometimes we like to compare with one another, which is something I'm even working on. But the people I've met through Instagram and the resources that I've found, I've met friends. Like I have a whole book full community of people that if I went to them and said, Hey, I need to find a picture book on grief. I could have 10 girls, guys message me and give me recommendations, which is really helpful. I also do um, a lot of my own research and I go to libraries, I go to bookstores and I just sit there and read. I mean, that's how I'm going to find these books. And I just don't want to look online and find one and order it. I want to actually read through it and see if my students would find it to be relatable. So just doing your own research. And I would say really coming together as a community, talk to your school librarian. My librarian is amazing. She has so many recommendations. And that's what I'm hoping to do on Instagram is kind of help those teachers navigate through, you know, when they get stuck of what books they could use. Okay. So teachers, Andrea has just volunteered to give you all of the picture book advice. So if you were like, I want to get started with SEL, I don't know how to find the picture books. We will definitely include her Instagram handle in the show notes. So friend her and then use her area of expertise. She says she loves talking about this stuff. So I think that's so smart. And I, I always think back, it's like, I don't feel like I'm that old, but I have been in education now for like, I want to say like 17 years. And when I first started teaching, there was no Pinterest. There was no like Instagram. TPT wasn't a thing. And so I'm like, I love all of these resources that exist for teachers. And I love the idea of like connecting with other teachers with picture books and asking those questions. So thank you for being a resource available to my audience. (laughs) Of course. I would love to help you. Anyone come on over. I love it. Especially fourth grade teachers, third grade teachers, fifth grade teachers. If you're in that upper elementary range, I bet she has a lot of good book recommendations. Yeah, I did teach first grade for two years and Oh my goodness. God bless their souls. I primary teachers, you have my heart. I was a first grade teacher for one year and I feel like I learned a lot during that year, but my heart is in upper elementary. hundred percent. Fourth grade is my jam. Okay. I feel like I keep sort of getting sidetracked all the things you're saying. I'm like, okay, this is so good. So I know you've talked a lot about your IRA, which for those of my listeners who might not know that stands for interactive read aloud, correct? Yes. So talk us through kind of like what that routine looks like daily, what that looks like weekly, how you plan for that, and specifically like how teachers could plan their read aloud with their SEL skills in mind. Absolutely. So obviously I do this every single day. The kids cannot live without their IRA time. And I actually noticed that this is the quietest time of day. Like they truly enjoy like what story, like get them hyped. I always have like, okay, this is the skill we're going to work on. And 
they get so excited about. So also hype it up and make sure it's showcased around your room. Can I ask a real quick question? You said you'll tell them the skill. Do you tell them both like the reading skill and the SEL focus skill? Or do you sort of like let that be like a mystery? (laughs) I would say they know like throughout the week, which SEL skill we're working on. But for the standards-based skill, I kind of keep it a mystery because I kind of want them to infer what I'm trying to draw out of them as we read through it. So that kind of connects back to the IRA. I read through it first. That's the most important thing. That was one of the first mistakes I made is I just tried, you know, us teachers are busy. We try to wing it. And I would notice like, oh my gosh, I didn't hit this point. Or I totally just, you know, completely missed it. But I read through it first and then kind of get post-it notes out and start writing down discussion points and which page to stop. And I just put them in the pages where I need to stop. We have that class discussion. And then not only do I put the points down for the standards-based stuff, but also for the SEL stuff as well. And then we just kind of go through it together. Sometimes I'll read it one day and they'll get it. Or if they miss the mark, we'll read it another day and kind of do a reread. And I'll put in new talking points throughout there if I feel like that's the case. I like it. That's like a very similar process to like how I planned my read alouds. It's funny that you talked about the like reading the book ahead of time. I always knew that that was like best practice and what I should do. And there were plenty of times that I like read the book first time with my students. And I would say something as if like I knew what I read. And then they're like, wait, that didn't happen. And I'm like, oh, you're right. It didn't. They totally catch on. Like if you don't know a word or if you don't say it in the right kind of voice expression, they're like, wait a second. Like I kind of practice ahead of time too. Like that sounds crazy, but even I'm all about storytelling. And so I like want to make sure that it sounds fun and I have funny voices if I need to, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I love it. Cause again, like you said, teachers are always crunched for time. One of the things that I would do if I didn't have time to read the story is I would try to find a, like a YouTube recording of it and then listen to it while I was planning to sort of like multitask. So yes, I love that idea. So teachers, if you're like feeling crunched for time, but you're like, I want to know the story ahead of time, find a YouTube video. They exist out there pretty much everywhere. So one of the things that I sort of like, I don't know if like struggled with, but one of the things that I found myself doing is I would want to like find or like make, you know, every page a key point and talk about like, you know, I don't want to be like dissect the story to death here, but like, you know, it's like, oh, this is a good key point And this is a good key point. And let's talk about this. And this is an example of, you know, whatever. So when it comes to like using your read alouds for both SEL and academic purposes, what's a magic number of like key points? Like how many examples of the SEL skill should teachers find or like the comprehension skill? I would say, yeah, you don't want to have it every page because then kids will be like, why are we constantly stopping the story? And they just want to know more. I would say probably at least two each, two to four each to make it easy and, you know, kind of have an even amount so that you can get through the story. Nice. Okay. So I know you said like, we've kind of talked about a few reading things. I know you also have some ideas for like how teachers can incorporate writing and do SEL to writing. So what are some of like your favorite writing activities that help with SEL as well? So I think journaling is huge. Like I absolutely love to see what my students have to say and they dread it every single day. They don't want to do it, but It's just so funny by the end of it, after they get through the hump of like the first two minutes of getting their thoughts on paper, they absolutely love it. And they want to read it to me and read it to their classmates. So first of all, journaling, I think is so important. And you can obviously just incorporate and tell me about your weekend, just write it down on paper. And I don't even care about spelling. I just want your thoughts on paper. And I want you to tell us truly what you're thinking and what you're internalizing. Is that just like an open-ended prompt that you give your students? Yeah. Like how long do you typically have them journal for? 
like 10 minutes. Okay. And it's at first, like the beginning of the year, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's like pulling teeth. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I'm like, okay, conversation. Like, how would we, if you were just telling me about your weekend, like, where would we start? So even just something as simple as that, I have learned so much about my students through their writing. Like, and sometimes we'll journal back and forth to each other, which I think is really cool. And that it also builds that relationship piece, that SEL piece. And I've had kids tell me, certain things that I never thought they would tell me through their journals because sometimes they're afraid to say it out loud. So I think that is extremely important. And it doesn't even have to relate to a story, but it also can as well. I've done fun things like writing the author and asking author questions about maybe where they got their idea for the story, or maybe they related to the character in some type of way. We do stuff like that. I've done write a review for a story and really building that classroom community around recommendations is huge in my room. Like I have a whole board of, okay, you just read a story, write down what you just read and why you would recommend it to someone. So I would say those are especially important. And then obviously opinion pieces. And I know we do an informative piece. So even you could tie those back to SEL standards as well. Love those ideas. And those all seem like relatively simple. I mean, even as you were talking about like the the journaling and how it's like storytelling, I know like storytelling is such an important part of like, the writing process. So like even using that as a way to like, you know, get your students to like, obviously talk about their weekend, but you know, they can become comfortable with like storytelling as well. So um, I love those ideas. Okay. So a few more questions here about SEL. Again, if there is a teacher who's like, I want to move into like using SEL, but I don't know where to begin. What would you say are like the top five most important SEL skills for teachers to focus on? Okay. Top five. Cause there's so many good ones. I would say just for me specifically of what I see in my classroom, which like I said, it's going to differ. I would say focusing on respect. Kindness is obviously huge. Random acts of kindness week is coming up. Self-awareness, which a lot of kids are not self-aware of what comes out of their mouth or their body and how it might affect others. So I think that's huge. Having a growth mindset. Oh my gosh, these kids just want to give up all the time. And I have to be their biggest cheerleader and teach them all about growth mindset and making sure that we don't give up. And then I would say decision-making as well is so important because a lot of these kids are learning that, you know, their decisions can not only affect themselves, but affect others and affect their learning and friendships, anything. So I would definitely say those are my top five. Okay. So I love those five skills. And as you were like introducing those and just like talking about them, I kind of sort of like realized that there's almost this like whole language associated with teaching SEL. I feel like most students like understand like the idea of respect, responsibility. Like those are things that they've always sort of like been talked about, but something like, you know, whether it's like self-acceptance, decision-making, like growth mindset, like some of these SEL terms, they might be foreign to students, or it might be something that they've never heard. So if you're focusing on SEL and you're introducing like an SEL concept to your students for the first time, like what does that look like? Do you sort of just let them figure it out through the story? Do you explicitly teach it to them? What does that process look like? For the most part, I kind of tell them up front because if, like I said, if it's a skill that I'm noticing, I will openly say it, be like, all right, guys, I can tell that we're having negative attitudes about how we feel about something. Like we really need to work on our growth mindset. Well, what is growth mindset? Okay, let's read this book. And then I'll kind of page through it, talk about it. And then, like I said, I'm a very active teacher. I love singing, dancing. And I mean, I make a fool out of myself because I'm like, that's what's memorable for kids. And so I will scream like, I can do this. And the kids will just scream like, I can do this back. And like, if they don't say it loud and proud enough, then I will make them redo it. So I do stuff like that. I have them, you know, 
it's an individual down on themselves, I'll make them, you know, have those words of affirmation and kind of repeat it to me. One thing I also do is sticky notes. So if I feel like they need to practice saying something in their head, I'll write it down and just stick it on their desk, which is really helpful. So I mean, I do it in all areas all the time. So by the end of probably the second week of school, they're totally getting it and understanding it. Because you can't just introduce it one time and then have it go away. It has to be ongoing throughout the rest of the year. So it's kind of like a language that just becomes like a part of your classroom community. Yes, definitely. As you were saying, like throughout the year, do you regularly like spiral through these SEL skills? Or is it like I teach it in September and then (laughs) we're good? (laughs) I would say... I have seen so much growth with my students this year. Like kids are resilient, especially through COVID right now and still, you know, not having a normal school year. So I will kind of start with where I think they need to be. And if I see them kind of grow out of it, then we'll start a new topic. But if come January, they're still, you know, not having a growth mindset, for example, then we'll kind of, you know, go over it and maybe I'll find a new book that maybe they'll find another connection to or someone else that they can relate to in a story. So it's all about, taking those stories, having a real world life conversation. I always say to my kids, like, if they're impatient, okay, well, are you going to have to be impatient? Or can you be impatient in the grocery line? Like, no, you got to stand still. And you know, you have to learn these real world life skills. And that's like, what it means to me. SEL is like, I want to get them set up for the real world and have them be a better person than when they walked into my classroom in the beginning of the year. I love that. And I mean, it's like, as you're just talking through all of this, I'm like, it just makes sense. And I feel like the way we approach teaching SEL, it sounds very similar to the way we teach everything. It's like, okay, this is the need that my student has. Let me find a resource that supports that need. Let me continue to like practice and reinforce it. And if later in the year, they still need practice with it, we'll spiral review and like retouch on these same skills again. So it really makes sense that SEL and our literacy instruction go hand in hand together. (laughs) You can have goal setting for it too, because I've had students that have certain things that they need to work on and we'll come up with a point sheet and then we'll kind of wean off the point sheet throughout the year because I don't want them to be relying on that point sheet to be able to be a good friend. But if I notice that they're doing something good, then I'll make a mark and then throughout the year, we'll kind of dismiss them from it. So what does that look like if they're making like a goal sheet for like an SEL specific skill, since they're so sort of like abstract and open-ended? So it totally depends on the student, but I mean, we usually focus on two skills. So it's like, for example, if a student can't let an adult be in charge, that's one skill we're working on. Or if they're being disruptive during class, that's another skill we're working on. And throughout the day, we will mark the point sheet. And for me, it's never tangible things. And I know a lot of people like giving candy and whatnot, but for me, it's building relationships. Okay, you get to go to a kindergarten classroom at the end of the day and help be a buddy towards them. And kids get so excited about that stuff. So doing that in the beginning of the year, and like I said, like once I notice that they kind of are less reliant on it, then I kind of lean off of it too. So, you know, the beginning of the year, they're like, oh, did I get all my stars? And then in the middle of the year, they've already forgotten about it. And they're I'm like, I see growth. My heart's happy. Like, I'm not going to bring up the point sheet. Let's just keep working at it. It's like using the extrinsic motivation to slowly wean them off and become like intrinsically motivated by the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So again, thinking to that teacher who maybe is like not doing SEL or has thought about it, but isn't ready to like jump in. Why is it so important for our reading teachers and our writing teachers and anybody who teaches literacy? Like, why do you think it is so important that they also teach SEL simultaneously? So, you know, SEL through literacy allows those real world conversations. So 
real things are happening in the world. And I think kids deserve to be heard. I feel like they need to let their feelings out and whether that's through connecting through someone through a story. And I know I said that multiple times, but that truly is where it starts is through someone that they see in themselves, a character. And I think that's why it's so important. You know, they don't want to, I don't want kids to feel alone. Like I said, if, you know, they're struggling with depression or anxiety, which is very real, you know, and they see a character who's in fourth grade, same age that they're dealing with. And it could be as something as little as, you know, they're being left out or, I mean, sometimes the smallest issues to kids are the biggest things. Yeah. So I just think having that book where kids can see themselves and that's where the conversation starts. And like you just talked about, like, it's very similar to teaching ELA, you know, it's very similar to finding those missing skills and kind of helping those kids succeed and master it. And I think it improves their mental health. It reduces their anxiety, their depression, and it improves academic performance a hundred percent. I love it. I feel like those are some really good reasons. So Hopefully the teachers in my audience are getting excited about incorporating a few more SEL skills into their literacy block. If they want to connect with you and especially tap into your picture book expertise and reach out to you for suggestions or just get ideas, how can people find you on the internet? They can find me at Bookish Burns with three S's. I know very, very fancy, (laughs) but yes, Bookish Burns. And then also, like I said, I will be having a book coming out that's SEL related, which has to do with a very important topic. So I can't wait to reach out with teachers and discuss that as well once it comes out later in the year. So, and I also have a website, it's readbookishburns.com. There's a few things on there, but I mean, it's done, but I want to do more with it. So I would just say, check me out on Instagram and I would love to connect with you. And if you have any questions, I would love to kind of chat it up and you can pick my brain. That's awesome. I love it. We will definitely link to your Instagram and your website in the show notes. We cannot wait to celebrate your new book when it comes out. And thank you so much for joining me tonight and chatting with my audience all about SEL. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 